Well, we are in the second week of a conversation that we are calling Back to the Future. And uh, in this conversation, we are asking the question, what does it look like for the church to re-enter and re-engage the world post-pandemic? Because whether we like it or not, the world we left in March is not the same world we are going to re-enter in the coming days and in the coming months. The, the things we knew are going to feel strangely unknown to us. Things that we grew to expect are going to surprise us a little bit. Things that grew familiar to us are going to feel a little bit foreign, from the way we shop to what it looks like to, to do a sporting event, to what it looks like to engage each other in relationship, to what it looks like to experience worship together. And so we are asking the question, what does it look like for us to re-enter and to re-engage this world? But not just that, what does it look like for the church to re-enter and re-engage this unknown future with purpose and on purpose? In a way that doesn't allow us to experience a culture shock that leaves us disappointed or leaves us devastated or discouraged in some ways. What does it look like to re-enter in a way that really just allows us to continue to be the light that this world is so desperately going to need us to be in the coming Days And uh, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul would say to us, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there is only one way to live and there is only one way to re-enter this world that makes sense. And that is, go all in and live all out. Go all in, live all out. None of this timid stuff, none of this tame stuff. Go all in, live all out. Not with fear, not with deep reservation. Go all in, live all out. Nothing else makes sense. Here's the way he, he says it in Romans chapter 12, a passage we looked at last time. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. If you've received the mercy of God in the person of Jesus Christ, the only thing that makes sense is for you to go all in and live all out for him. If you've experienced the forgiveness of all of your sins, if you've experienced your chains broken and now you are free, if you've experienced your friendship with God restored, if you've experienced your heavenly home forever guaranteed, there is only one way of living that makes sense. Go all in and live all out. I think Paul would tell us that there is only one way to re-enter even into an unknown world, and that is to go all in and live all out. And in Romans chapter 12 and beyond, Paul just starts to paint a picture of what it looks like for the church to go all in, for the church to 
to live all out. And um, we want to kind of look at this script and learn from it as we anticipate more and more fully re-engaging our world. And um, what we want to look at today, let me just warn you, it's going to mess with you a little bit. Uh, it's going to stretch you a little bit. It may even frustrate you a little bit. Because I'm telling you, if you've never looked at the passage we're about to look at, it might jolt you just a bit. If you have a copy of the Bible, uh, meet me in Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. We're going to start reading at verse number one. This is what God says living all out looks like. Here we go. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Mm. You want to know what it looks like to go all in and live all out for Jesus. You want to know how God would invite us to re-enter and re-engage the world around us. One of the things that Paul says, here it is. Submit to your governing authorities. Period. And in case you're wondering what that means, in this verse, the word submit means to obey. Do what your governing authorities tell you to do. Now, it doesn't mean like them. It means obey them. It doesn't mean enjoy them, it means obey. It, it, it doesn't mean appreciate them, it means obey. It doesn't mean agree with them. The word means obey them. Do what your governing authorities tell you at the local level, at the state level, at the federal level. Submit to your governing authorities. That's in the Bible. It is what living all out looks like. And in case you missed who Paul is talking to, let me draw your attention to the second word in this verse, because Paul says, everyone. If you've experienced the mercy of God in the person of Jesus Christ, he means you. He is speaking to everyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ. He is writing to the church. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are called to obey your governing authorities. If mercy has forgiven your sin, if your chains have been broken, if you are friended by God, and if you know your eternal home, your forever home is heaven, it is speaking to you. Obey your governing 
authorities. Everyone. Because it might be tempting for us to say, well, you know, let's play the context game. Maybe Paul is speaking to a unique group of antiquated Roman citizens in the first century. And Paul says, no, I'm speaking to everyone who is a follower of Jesus. No exceptions. You want to walk into this next season with purpose on purpose. You want to go all in and live all out. Paul would say, resolve now that you are going to obey your governing authorities. It's what Christians do. In fact, Paul would say any other response doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But then Paul presses in a little bit more and gives us some reasons. Why? Why on earth should I obey or submit to my governing authorities? Second part of verse 1, he says, Because there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Why should I obey my governing authorities? And Paul would say, because technically they are not your governing authorities. They are God's governing authorities. I don't know if you knew this. They may have campaigned brilliantly that they may have spoken with such eloquence about their policies. They may even have pulled some corruption shenanigans. But that is not ultimately why they are in office. That is not ultimately why they're in that position of authority. Paul says they're in that position of authority because God put them there. They are there ultimately by God's call. It was God's call. I don't know if you knew that. It doesn't matter what the Electoral College did or didn't do. No governing authority ever gets into a position of power unless God puts them there. Yeah, you voted for them and you should, but that's not ultimately why they are in that position. God made the call, right? Did you see that he says it here in the verse? The authorities that exist have been established or put there by God. Daniel says it this way, Daniel chapter 2, verse 21. He, God, changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and he raises up others. No one gets in a governing position unless God ultimately makes the call to put them there. Paul says, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've experienced the mercy of God, you obey your governing officials because ultimately God put them in their positions. Whew. You know what that means? 
You don't have to like the president. But if Jesus saved you, you are called to submit to him. Um, I wish we could just be honest and, and talk about how for some of us, that's really, really challenging. Why on earth would I do that if I didn't vote for him? Why on earth would I do that if I disagree with him? Because ultimately, if he's in that position, it was God's call. That's what living all out looks like. Hey, he ain't no president of mine. If God put him in power, you hush your mouth. I'm just saying, you don't have to like Governor Holcomb or whoever your governor is in whatever state you happen to live. But if Jesus saved you, you were called to submit to him because ultimately God put him in that position. You don't have to enjoy the hunting laws. You don't have to like the speed limit. You don't have to appreciate the fact that you can't go to work and just sock your boss. Just one good sock, Lord Jesus, can I please? You don't have to appreciate those things. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you have to uphold them because ultimately it is God who put those governing authorities in their positions. God made the call. I don't like you, but God ultimately put you in this position, and so I'm in. In fact, Paul takes that point a little bit further. He says, God made the call, and if God made the call, you better believe God makes it personal. The second verse, Romans chapter 13, verse 2, says, Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. I don't know what version of the Bible you read, but mine makes it really hard to, to misinterpret what Paul is saying here. God makes the call about who's in positions of authority, which means God takes your response personally. God makes it personal. You rebel against them, Paul says. You rebel against God's call. That's personal. I have five children going on 500. Um, my kids do not have to obey their siblings. I don't know how your kids function. <laughs> my kids don't have to obey their siblings. Unless... I send them to tell the sibling something. You know how this works. Hey, go tell your sister to come inside. Uh, she said I shouldn't tell her what to do. Oh, oh, she said that, right? Now it's personal. Because ultimately, 
that kid is not responding to their sibling. The kid is responding to me. I take it personally because I'm the one who put you in the position to take that message to your sister. That's what Paul is saying. I'm just telling you, you cannot keep getting on social media and railing against your governing authorities. You can't keep getting on social media and just completely disrespecting those who God has put in positions of authority over us. You can't keep leaving your house and saying, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to completely disregard whatever they are saying. I'm going to do me. Because every time you do that, God takes it personally because he's the one who put the governing authorities in their position. You are ultimately resisting God is what Paul says. Again, if you have a better translation of the Bible that can bring clarity and an understanding that I might be missing, I would encourage you to let me know. Jeff at Mission Point. Dot net. We'll even put the address down here on the screen. I think many of us think we are being revolutionaries when really we are just rebelling against what God has established. As we re-enter this new reality, I believe God would invite his church, would invite his people to go all in and to live all out with a renewed commitment to submitting to the authorities he has placed over us. Not because we like them, not because we agree with them, not because we voted for them, but because in view of mercy, and in a desire to please God, we understand this is what we've been called to do. Uh, Paul gives uh, another practical reason why we should submit to our governing authorities. And, and this one is kind of obvious. Uh, verse 3, he says this, For rulers hold no terror for those who do right. They hold no legal consequence for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, bringing punishment on the wrong doer. And here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, hey, this is a practical, a practical piece of counsel, uh, that you obey your governing authorities for greater peace of mind, for greater peace of mind. Um, now, let me just pause and say, we've seen all too often that there are corrupt and there are unjust leaders in position of authority who abuse their power and even make illegal calls 
Paul understood that. In fact, he experienced that in Rome. But he's still making a general observation that there are no legal consequences for somebody who keeps the law. And therefore, you're going to experience just generally a greater peace of mind as you obey what the authorities say. Um, the other day, I was showing my son something uh, about acceleration in my car. And um, man, I just put my foot on the gas, you know, just to teach him. It was just a teachable moment um, between me and my son. And right as I stepped on the gas, man, and I put some speed into our life's experience. And just as I did that, my son looks at me and he says, cop, he could not have enjoyed the look of panic on my face more than he did. <laughs> That's the point Paul is making, right? If you're accustomed to driving the speed limit, you're going to wave at a police officer. But if you're lead-footed and you're accustomed to just kind of, you know, pedal to the metal, when you see a marked vehicle, you are going to panic a little bit. And that's his point. If your practice is obeying the law, then you're typically going to live with a greater peace of mind, which is one of the reasons he encourages us to obey the governing officials. Okay. Uh, let me address a couple of elephants in the room. And stop it, children. That is not a political reference. I just want to address a couple of things that I, I, I guess I wrestle through, and I suspect some of you might wrestle through as well. Um, here's the first question. What about... What's right? What about what's right? What about if the governing authorities are asking me to do something that's not right? Do I still obey them? The short answer to that is absolutely not. Absolutely, 100% no. The reason I obey the governing authorities in my world is because the ultimate authority, God, has told me to do that in his word. I ultimately obey the governing authorities as an act of obedience to the ultimate authority of God revealed in his word. If a governing authority tells me to do something that goes against the ultimate authority, who is God, the answer is a categorical no. The appropriate response is to resist, refuse, rebel and also be willing to live with the consequences of that. Whenever anything clashes with what God has clearly said, you do not do it. But I want to be clear. I'm speaking about what God has clearly said in his word. I'm not talking about your preferences. I'm not talking about my feelings. 
I'm talking about what God has revealed and made clear in his word. It says in verse 5 of Romans 13, Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, so you can live with more peace of mind, but also as a matter of conscience, because it is the right thing to do according to what God has said. Let me say this again, just to be clear. If any authority, whether it's a parental figure, or it's an educator, or it's somebody in a governing position of authority, tells you or calls you or invites you to do something that goes against God's ultimate authority in his word, the answer is no, you do not do it. Here's the second question. What about my rights? What about my rights? What if somebody in a position of authority does something that feels like it's disregarding or violating or trampling on my personal rights. What if somebody in a position of authority asks me to do something that feels like it is going against my personal rights? Do I still do it? The short answer, absolutely. Are you still there? Did you log off the stream? This is going to be really challenging, but let's process this just for a moment. As a Christian, the greatest measure of what's right is not my rights. It is the Word of God. Can I say that one more time? As a Christian, the greatest measure of what's right is not my rights, it is God's word. Listen, I am so, 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 so thankful to live in a country that affords us such unique and rare freedoms. And here's what I would say to you. If you feel like your rights are being trampled on, or you feel like your rights are being disregarded, you have a voice in this country. Raise it. You have a vote. Cast it. Come on, speak up. Advocate for your rights. Don't just sit around and whine about it on social media. Do something about it. In fact, I think to just sit around and whine about it is a great disrespect to those who have gone before us and at great sacrifice have afforded us the freedom to raise our voice and to cast a vote. Come on, raise your voice. Cast a vote. But until that law changes... You submit to your governing authority.
unless they are asking you to do something that goes against what God has directly said. I still don't like it. I still don't like it. In fact, I thought you said that I'm free and that I shouldn't, you know, yield to things that force me to do something or obligate me to do something. And now you're telling me that, that I, I should obey and I must obey these governing authorities. Yep. But correction. I am not suggesting that we ever obey governing authorities because we are forced to. We submit to the governing authorities because we choose to. Woo! You know, one of the most beautiful aspects of this passage is when Paul uses the word submit, he uses that word in the reflexive tone. That's really, really awesome. The Bible is beautiful. The reflexive tone is a tone that you use when only you can cause the action on yourself. Because no one else can do it for you and no one else can make you do it. When Paul says, submit to the governing authorities, he is saying, cause yourself to submit to the governing authorities because no one can force you to do it. That is powerful. God never calls us to submit to a governing authority because we've been forced to but because we have willingly bent our wills and we have chosen to. There is a significant difference. You are free and you are a powerful being. The invitation of Scripture is to use that freedom to choose to submit. I don't obey authorities at the expense of my rights. I don't obey authorities at the expense of my freedom. I obey the governing authorities as an expression of it. Come on, enter Jesus. For 33 years, you think someone stripped him of his rights and forced him to obey the human authorities in the places where he lived? Come on, somebody. He was a powerful, free being. And yet 33,000 times plus, over and over, he chose to cause himself to submit. You think he agreed with Caesar? You think he liked the speed limit? No. But Jesus chose to submit to authorities that were often broken and messed up and corrupt unless they asked him to do something that went against what his father had revealed. Come on, if we're going to re-enter all in and all out, we're going to need to come back to this place like our Savior Jesus Christ in which we freely choose over and over again, 
as powerful beings who've experienced the mercy of God to cause ourselves to obey our governing authorities, not because anyone is forcing us to, but because out of honor for our God. And in wanting to be like our Savior, we make that choice. And I bring it up because I'm already seeing a swell of Christians who think protecting their personal rights is the greatest virtue, and it's not. It is living to obey and honor our God. Please hear me on this. And I know this is going to rub so many of us the wrong way. And even now we are starting to feel agitated if you're not feeling agitated already. The protection of your personal rights is not the greatest virtue. The greatest virtue is honoring your God. And I'm seeing a swell of Christians who, if I'm honest, are behaving like the Constitution carries more weight than the canon of Scripture. And I'm telling you, it does not. I'm seeing a swell of Christians who are starting to behave like the country is more significant in the grand scheme of things than the kingdom. And I'm telling you, it is not. One of those is going to endure forever and the other one will not. Our primary citizenship is in heaven. Our primary allegiance is to the canon of the word of God. Our primary measure of what's right is not my rights. It's what God has said. If we are going to re-enter this world and be the light that this world so desperately needs, we're going to need to go all in. We're going to need to go all out. And one of the things that will mean is the practice of saying, like our Savior, we're going to choose to submit to governing authorities. All right, I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. We'll continue this uh, next, next time. And uh, I just want to say in preparation for our conversation next week, I believe that the church should be most concerned of everybody in the world. The church should be the most concerned for the plight of those who are being negatively or adversely or painfully affected by the season in which we are living. Because if you're anything like me, you're going to ask questions, but what if the decisions that are being made are affecting people and people are hurting? The church ought to be deeply concerned about that. And we should be asking the question, how do we show up to be the hands and feet of Jesus in a time like this? Listen, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing a song together. And again, I would say to you, please stick around and be part of a conversation as we wrestle through some of these challenging words from Paul. Father, thank you so much for your mercy to us. Jesus, thank you so much for your example to us. I'm so thankful that you did not insist on your rights 
but that you laid some of that aside in order to come and rescue me. Thank you for that. Thank you for the ways you modeled what Paul is teaching us in Romans 13. And we pray that we would be a reflection of you in our world. Holy Spirit, I ask you to do something in each of our hearts as each of us wrestle and struggle through something that's going to be deeply challenging. Pray that you would give us grace. We pray that you would give us courage. We want to re-enter well for the sake of your great name. We pray. Amen. Amen.